This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan, and today I have with me Rachel Kosser. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Bridget. Now, Rachel, in reading your bio, I learned that you are all about nonverbal communication. It is your jam. How did that happen? That's a great question. It is definitely atypical. The story starts from when I was a professional ballet dancer. So, I mean, I'm, I, I'm a natural performer. I love performing in front of audiences. I love movement. I love music. And it was a fitting to have a career as a ballet dancer, because as anyone who's seen a ballet will know, you can have these very elaborate stories, dramas, relationships, et cetera. And it's all communicated through body language and body movement and no words are used. And so that was a, from a very young age, I remember the first ballet I went to, and I remember being fascinated by that. I remember turning to my mother and saying, when will they start talking? And my mom said, oh, they literally, they won't. <laughs> um, and so from a young age, I was fascinated with this ca- capability and capacity we have as humans to communicate without the use of words. But there's something to be said there because the performers were so effective, Rachel, until you wanted more. You just assumed that there would be some speaking roles because whatever it was they were saying with their bodies was speaking volumes to the point where you wanted to hear from their actual mouths. Right, right. Well, I mean, I think this first show that I went to see was like the Nutcracker or Sleeping Beauty. And I'm pretty sure I was like five years old, right? So anything I'd seen to date was very much spoken. And by the end of that show, I remember leaving the theater and having been so engrossed in these characters and their stories and, and some of their likes and dislikes and all this. And I, you know, I was like, wow, like nobody told me explicitly that that's what they felt, but I I knew it very deeply. And so that was magical to me. How do you take what you know about nonverbal communication and your expertise in the world of being um, in ballet? How do you take that and put it into a presentation? Mm -hmm. Well, the fascinating thing about presentations and how nonverbals and our body language can really support us is that whether we're doing a live presentation in person, right, in front of however many number, however many people, whether it's a virtual presentation, so we're separated or connected by screen, or it's a phone call, right? Like, regardless as to where your audience is, there's always a support system and a foundation that our 
body language can bring to ourselves and the way we feel as presenters, right? So especially for people who are nervous, that's you typically will feel that physically. You'll physiologically respond to stress or anxiety that a lot of people feel when they're about to communicate or, or present in front of a number of people or even just one person. And so learning how you can kind of tap into your body language and use your body as a resource to help you is, is, is one thing that immediately comes to mind. Um, and then of course there's, you know, what your audience perceives from you as well. Sure. Sure. Rachel Kosser is a leader in the field of nonverbal communication, as you've heard thus far, as well as a leader in leadership presence facilitation. As a former nationally ranked athlete and professional ballet dancer, Rachel has a knack for translating unique skills into relatable business skills and competencies. Rachel is the co-founder of Virtual Sapiens, and she uses a combination of her work um, and her nonverbal communication consulting, as well as her work as a faculty member with Mobius Executive Leadership to just work wonders, quite frankly. And she's also a leadership presence facilitator with Ariel Group. Rachel has worked with leaders from GE, Pfizer, and Accenture, just to name a few. Now, professional athlete, my goodness, what did you play? So I kind of in line with the ballet theme, I was a rhythmic gymnast. So for most people, you say gymnastics and they think of flips and like the beam and all that. And that was not my focus. My focus was rhythmic gymnastics, which is with the ribbon and the ball. It's a little bit more popular in like Eastern Europe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I was on the Canadian national team, competed across the globe, loved it, you know. That is so cool. And I need to correct myself, not professional athlete, but nationally ranked athlete. I should make sure I'm clear uh, for the listeners or clear to the listeners on that. Okay, Rachel, what do you typically present on and what just, I don't know, what do you do to make your topic come alive to your audience? Yeah, so I mean, I present on a, a pretty broad range of topics, anything from transitions, you know, having transitioned from being an athlete to a ballet dancer, from a ballet dancer to a, you know, non-dancing professional, uh, and then now a tech founder. Um, so I talk a lot about transitions and, you know, embracing change, but then I also talk a lot about nonverbal communication, of course, and body language and how we can really activate these skills to become the most impactful, effective communicators we can be so that we can have we can, we can be the change, right. That we want to see in the world. And so I, it depends on, on who the audience is and, and how we'll, we'll structure the talk, but any of those, any of those subjects, I am pretty passionate about. And I'll say like, in terms of preparing myself to bring my whole authentic self to the table, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I'll do in preparation and then there's stuff that I'll actually do as reinforcement while I'm kind of in the act, right? Because it can be very easy to have this like out-of-body experience. Even, even as a professional, I'll still get nervous. And in the middle of, in the middle of a, a presentation, sometimes I lose my train of thought. And I'm like, oh my God, right? So th there's a lot, <laughs> there are a lot of tactics. And I, I love talking about those as well. Well, what are some things that you do to prepare? 
Yes. So my favorite thing to do, and this is of course, once you've practiced your content and you've practiced the delivery of it so that your words and your nonverbals mesh together, the, the congruence of what we say with what our bodies are saying is how you reach that most impactful experience as a communicator. Um, but one of the most important things that I do is, is a practice that I call physical anchoring. And it's something that I used to do as a dancer in those moments before going on stage. It's very easy to get ahead of yourself or to start allowing these kind of negative thoughts come in right at the like least opportune moment, right? Like you're literally about to click join in that virtual presentation or walk on stage and, you know, you're having this issue of like anxiety, right? So physical anchoring helps you quiet down those thoughts. It helps you connect with the present moment physically first, right? Like connecting your feet with the ground, regulating your breath, taking a few deep breaths in and out. Maybe you need to do a stretch or a head roll or a shoulder roll to kind of move some energy that might be stuck, right? Energy has to go somewhere. So if you're just holding on to it, like it will definitely stay with you, right? So you want to move, breathe through that, introduce that circulation. And as you're doing that, you can bring to mind the intention that you have in connecting and communicating with your audience. And that can help really ground you in the why of your presentation. It can help bring your audience back to the forefront in a way that is very focused on the message you want to ensure lands with them. What are some big nonverbal communication mistakes you've seen presenters make that they may not realize they are making? One of the biggest I hope it's like a pet peeve of mine too, is that as a presenter, you hide behind the podium, right? You'll see this all the time, right? In, in person, this is an opportunity. We have to be full bodied humans on stage to dynamically move through space and to, you know, gesture in a way that's really so powerful and to hide behind a podium. It's similar to in the virtual world. It's similar to being too close to your lens right? Like if you're too close to your lens or you're too close to the podium, you will limit your ability to communicate non-verbally. You've placed yourself in a box and you've put a barrier between yourself and your audience. Everybody, if, if this was uh, more than a podcast and you could actually see the video, you would think to yourself, what is wrong with Bridget? Why is she losing her mind? Because the second Rachel started talking about people hiding behind that lectern, I just went ballistic with my body language. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. I write about it and I need to keep that book handy. I write about it in my newest edition of Real Talk what other experts won't tell you about how to make presentations that sizzle. And I talk about get from behind that lecture (laughs) because like Rachel says, it really limits your energy. It limits you. All people see is like this talking head and maybe some shoulders or something like that. But I I won't get into it. Just go get the book. Trust me on this (laughs) and read about getting from behind that lectern. It is not your friend. Any other pet peeves you have? I would say, yeah, other pet peeves I have is when people stick their hands in their pockets. I think 
you know, human, human hands are a big part of the way we connect and start to build real trust with someone who's, who's speaking or who we're trying to build a relationship with. And when you put your, when you shove your hands in your pockets, right, you're really removing a pretty powerful nonverbal that you could leverage, right? And it can feel comfortable, understandably, to have your hands in your pockets, but from a, an engagement perspective, you're not doing yourself any favors. And it really can cause you to have less energy than you would if your hands were out of your pocket. When you gesture with your hands, it creates a different kind of energy in you. And that energy, people can hear it. They can hear it in your voice. They can see it in your movement. And when you have your hands shoved in your pocket, you're really reducing that energy that you know could really benefit your presentation. Mm-hmm. In a minute or two, you'll have an opportunity to ask me a question, Rachel. But for now, I need to find out from you, has there ever been a time when you made a misstep or experienced some kind of a hiccup in a presentation? What was it and how did you handle it? Yes, so many. Um, right? how long is the pot how long right. is the podcast because totally. I can chime in with you <laughs> totally I mean these things happen all the time right as you said it's in the way that you handle the mishap that you recover from it and I remember this was a few months ago I was doing a big virtual presentation as part of a training and it was all about really developing trust with people and, and how you could do that and my internet was just failing right? And these people were half in person, half virtual. And it was wild because they could hear me and see me, but I could not see them at all. And so I had no reference, no visual reference, right? One of the reasons that we use video is so that we can, at a distance, read other people's nonverbals, right? And so I had no, oh my gosh, no way of knowing where my audience was. So I was kind of blind, totally blind. This was a 90 minute session, right? So an hour and a half and it's experiential, of course, because everything I do is experiential. So, well, first of all, I, you know, I had to adapt quickly on my feet, making those check-ins with my audience more explicit. I had to verbalize that I was having internet issues. And so I would have to be leveraging the chat more than the audio because I also couldn't hear people properly. It was, it was brutal, but I mean, we made it through. It, it ended up getting good feedback, but for me, the experience was like horrendous. No, I totally get it. I totally get it. And here's the thing, because you were so aware of wanting to make sure it was a great experience for your audience. And so you shifted into plan B. They probably thought you did a fantastic job given the issues with your connection. And, but Mm -hmm. you, and as most speakers who are just really mindful of doing a great job, you probably felt like you just articulated, oh my goodness, this was not my best. But as long as you do your best to shift, 
not stress too much about what's not working. Just say to yourself, how do I make this work? Okay. (laughs) How do I carry on? Because the show must go on. I had a situation, I remember in San Diego back in May of 2018, where I ran into someone that I was not prepared to run into at this conference where there are like 13,000 people. And it made my, it just sent my mind into a tailspin. And I had a presentation in about two hours I don't even think it was two hours before the presentation. And I'm sitting there like, how do I mentally regroup from this? And I just said, you know what? Suck it up, buttercup, and get in there and do your best. And then in those instances, like you couldn't see the audience. Listeners, I want you to just assume the best. Assume they're all sitting out there and smiling and having a good old fashioned time. Just assume the best. Do not assume the worst when you don't know what actually is going on. Don't give yourself those those negative thoughts. Don't do that because you don't have any proof whatsoever that those negative thoughts that you're forming in your mind have any validity to them. Amen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right, Rachel, what is your question for me? Well, it's funny, uh, Bridget, because I was actually going to ask you about a time (laughs) that you've had kind of a challenge like this, where, you know, some other factor has come into your, you know, perfectly planned presentation and you've had to kind of reroute, but you just shared that. So my other question to you is, have you always had this passion and enthusiasm around presentation or was there a time when, when you actually used to also get pretty kind of anxious or nervous about some of these speaking opportunities? Yes and yes. So for whatever reason, I have always been that person who was completely comfortable getting up in front of a crowd, making a presentation or reading something or whatever the case may be. However, I needed prep time. I'm not one of those people where you can shove a mic in my face and ask me to quote unquote, say a few words. I I don't like that. I know I'm not prepared. I don't talk off the cuff. I, I, you know, unless it's something like presentation skills, right? But for me to, you know, no, that's not me. So I've always been very comfortable as long as I have adequate time beforehand to think through some thoughts and jot down some bullet points. Now, uh, in terms of Nervousness, it happens before every speaking engagement, Rachel. It really does. And it can be brought on for a number of different reasons. Maybe this is a presentation I've never done before. I've practiced it plenty of times. And that is a must for me. I have to go through my presentation from start to finish a minimum of three times, full out, like a dress rehearsal, if you will, as if my audience is right there in my hotel room with me or my home office or whatever. So it's not because I've never heard the presentation before, but I've not had an opportunity to try it out on an audience. And so that can be a reason that the nerves will show up, but the nerves will still show up if I'm delivering a presentation that I've done a hundred times before. And that happens because this is a different audience. And the 9090 audiences before this one loved it, but this audience could be the one that hates it. (laughs) So yes, the confidence has pretty much always been there. And I've always been pretty comfortable getting in front of any size audience, 
making a presentation. Do the nerves show up? You bet your boots they show up. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I asked that specifically because for me, I think sometimes people think that as people who are very comfortable presenting or who are professionals in this space that you kind of just don't like magically don't get nervous anymore. And like, I'm the same as you, Bridget. I'll, I'll get very nervous, even for some, you know, run-throughs or rehearsals, I'll get really nervous, right? There's not even an audience out there. <laughs> getting right. So yeah, there's something about like that energy that can sometimes be a little helpful, right? And I think the main difference is that as professionals, you know, you really know how to manage it. So it doesn't spiral out of control. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's about managing it. When you get to the point where you are physically unable to get up there and do the job, okay, that's another story, but just managing it and doing that positive self-talk and saying to yourself, this is going to be great. You have researched, you have read, you have rehearsed, you've practiced, you've done everything possible to make sure this is great. But do you worry about the microphone not working? Yes, I've had it happen. Do you worry about the technology? failing or your slides not showing properly absolutely do you worry about somebody asking some crazy question out of left field and you don't know the answer to it uh yes you worry about all of that do you worry about people getting up leaving your session i you know no matter how much i tell people not to worry about that it still bothers me and i have to keep telling myself the same thing that i tell others it may have absolutely nothing to do with your presentation as to why people are leaving. Maybe they remembered they needed to take some medicine. Maybe there was a phone call they need to take. Maybe all of a sudden they got something from their boss that needed to be handled right now, right? So <laughs> there's so many things where you're like, oh, this could happen, that could happen. What if, oh my goodness, what do I do? But you have to push that to the side. And like you were saying earlier, it's about how you react to it and how you recover that's the important part. 100%. What else do listeners need to know in order to make sure they are getting up there and they're using the nonverbal communication to be as impactful and as powerful as possible, Rachel? Yeah, I think there's a journey to go on with all of this and it starts with awareness, right? And, and understanding some of the ways you might show up or you might be showing up and being able to reflect on that and decide for yourself is, is the way that I'm showing up serving me or is some of it detracting from my message, right? And depending on what you think or what your conclusions are, making intentional decisions as to how you might like to change that. And once you've, once you've decided what you'd like to change, you know, you have to practice it. So it starts to feel authentic and like a muscle memory, right? Like oftentimes people will wonder about this question of authenticity when it comes to body language and nonverbals, especially when we're talking about movements or ways of moving or holding your posture or using your hands that are different from how you've been doing it for literally your whole life. And of course, that's going to feel a little different and maybe inauthentic for a moment. But if it speaks to and aligns with your intention, it's worth practicing and you know rehearsing until it starts to feel natural, right? And so I think that practice piece is key. And um, we very often want to have quick success with some of this stuff. Like, oh, someone told me I need to work on looking into the camera when I'm speaking. And so I've heard the feedback. So now I'm fine. And it's like, actually, no, like you're probably going to need, need to be reminded of that like 
actually almost constantly because it's a little bit unnatural that it, it really helps that connection. So there's a reason for it. You know, when you were talking about that practice piece being so important, it made me think about how I talk about practice every day. So when it's game time or show time, it comes naturally to you. So if you need to work on keeping your hands out of your pocket, do that on a daily basis. If you feel yourself getting ready to shove your hands into your pocket for whatever reason, don't, because that's something that you also want to work on for the stage. If you need to work on reducing your use of filler words, don't just wait until it's time to make a presentation or run a meeting to work on that. Do it on a daily basis. If you need to work on eye contact, don't wait until you're the one who's running the Zoom session to work on that. But say to yourself, you know what? I am Zoomed out and have Zoom fatigue, but I'm going to put myself on camera and I'm going to speak up more often and make sure that I'm making eye contact on camera. It's just don't wait until showtime to then say, okay, let me work on this. And I'm talking about don't wait until a week before. Someone might say, that's adequate, Bridget. If I start working and practicing a week before my presentation and I'm working on it every single day, that's not good enough. That's that's good. But if everything you say is a presentation and you're using your gestures and you're leaning in and you're using your body language to your advantage and you're doing that every single day, no matter to whom you're speaking, when it's time to present, psht, you've got it. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to, you just don't have to think about it. That's the beauty, right? You can think about all the other things you have going on. Exactly. The technology, the angry audience member, <laughs> the broken microphone. Oh my goodness, everybody. Uh, Rachel Kosser is just a powerhouse in the nonverbal communication world. And you can check out Rachel's work by visiting virtualsapiens.co. She has a TEDx talk. She's also has her work featured by Harvard Business Review, the Boston Globe, as well as Psychology Today. She is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to showing up and being an amazing performer, an amazing presenter, an amazing facilitator on the stage. Rachel Kosser, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for everything you do, Bridget, for having me. For sure. And thank you to the listeners. Really appreciate you tuning in to Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan. Catch you next time. <laughs>